Today on Ag News Daily. The commodity markets definitely had a couple things to digest. We had harvest over the weekend. I typically come in on a Sunday and see harvest pressure. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Ag News Daily episode here on Monday, October 10th. I'm Delaney Howell, flying solo today, and today's episode is, of course, sponsored by Your Soy Checkoff. So thanks to USV this week for providing sponsorship on today's Ag News Daily podcast. But folks, there is no shortage of news to talk about today as we look at the headlines. So it's a good thing Tanner's out. You don't have to listen to me try and fill time, fill air, because we're going to get right into it here. We've got to kick things off, of course, with the large news markets are reacting to largely today on this Market Monday episode. So good timing there that we've got Tommy Grizzafi coming on the podcast here in just a few minutes to chat more about that. But really the big leader here today has been the wheat markets up about 40 to 50 cents on the morning. Didn't quite see it close near the limit. Didn't touch the limit or go limit up today, but was certainly very close to that, largely on the news that Russia launched additional missile attacks against multiple Ukrainian cities as of this morning. The trade is now very concerned about the grain export corridor and the deal that was allegedly found on both sides to allow grain out through that Black Sea port region. So today's missile strikes, certainly the most aggressive air attack against Ukraine since the start of the war, has all markets spooked across the board. It attacked a lot of civilian infrastructure, a lot of civilian targets, and in the process raised questions about how far President Putin might be willing to go to turn some of the momentum back his way. So certainly saw all stock markets as well reacting here and largely NASDAQ fell on the news today of those increased strikes. NASDAQ hit a two-year low here on Monday as people continue to weigh what's going on in the Ukraine Black Sea region, but also what's going on with continued efforts here to try and salvage U.S.-China relationships. So all markets really across the board today are certainly reacting on all pieces of news here. But uh, like I said, one of the largest airstrikes and certainly one of the largest coordinated attacks that Russia has had here on Ukraine. And certainly markets are watching that here minute by minute as the markets traded through today. So we'll get Tommy Grizafi's take on that here in just a moment. But later this week, we also have, of course, the October WASD report. So that could also have some impact on the market this week. As we saw, the USDA lowered its corn yield nearly three bushels per acre in September to a 172.5. That's where the current yield is sitting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens here in the month of October, because according to Arlen Suderman this morning, he said previously, USDA has been notorious for lowering their corn yield 15 times in September, specifically over the past three decade. It's again lowered the yield in October in seven of those 15 years. So we've got about a 50-50 shot here as to whether or not they will lower yield again here in the month of October. 
But some of those specific months where it was lowered again included 93, 95, 2000, 2010, 12, 16, and 20. There were also a few years that it raised it in October after being lowered in September, which was 97, 99, 2001, 03, 08, 15, and 19. And according to their Stonex customer survey, which is their official estimates, they are actually pegging the U.S. corn crop at seven-tenths of a bushel higher in the month of October. So it's going to be interesting to see what the USDA does on the WASDE report this week from a corn side of things. On the soybean side of things, USDA lowered, of course, its soybean yield in September to a 50.5. Previously, uh, they have reported that 11 times over the past three decades, we have seen lowered yields following that report again in October. So again, too soon to tell, but of course, we'll know sooner or later this week as that WASD report does come out later this week, Wednesday at 11 a.m. Be sure to get the full take on what happens in that report and more on the podcast here on Wednesday. But let's take a quick break here to get a quick word from today's sponsor. Who's the number one protein source in chicken feed? You are. That's right. You're winning. Today's soybean farmers, that's you, are really big in animal ag. How? By pooling your resources through your soy checkoff. Your soy checkoff is working with poultry and livestock producers, growing existing relationships and forging new ones to bring tangible returns back to you. See all the ways your soy checkoff is moving soy forward for you at unitedsoybean.org slash hopper. And picking things back up here with some China news. China has reopened today following its week-long Golden Week holiday, which was negatively impacted by China's zero-COVID policy. We still haven't heard any word on whether or not that President Xi arrest was in fact true or just a rumor. But early data this week shows that 422 million people traveled domestically last week during that Golden Week holiday and down 40% from pre-COVID levels with travel and revenue down 26% from last year. The 20th Congress of the Chinese Communist Party will meet again here later this week on August 16th. And speculation initially had been that China might ease off of that zero COVID policy following the meeting of Congress to reappoint Xi Jinping for another term as president. So likely he was not on house arrest and that was just a speculation and rumor there, but certainly starting to see continued cool uh, tones here towards the U.S. as China remains committed, they say, to the eventual reunification of Taiwan. Switching tracks here to some different ag-related news Let's take it over to the ethanol corner, where a federal judge has temporarily denied ADM's motion to exclude testimony of an expert witness who says there's evidence the company manipulated ethanol markets at their Argo terminal in Illinois, as alleged by ethanol producers and other companies in a series of lawsuits. Leading up to a trial in the U.S. District Court for the District of Central Illinois, ADM had asked the court to exclude a report and testimony of economist Sean Ledgerwood, a former economist at the Office of Enforcement of the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, and 
they also said that Ledgerwood developed a so-called regression analysis model that the plaintiff, in this case, Holding Ag and Mays Capital Group LLC, claim shows that ADM specifically manipulated the ethanol markets at that facility specifically and allegedly able to calculate economic damages caused. Well, of course, ADM was not pleased by that and has asked the judge to throw out that testimony altogether. There are similar lawsuits filed in Wisconsin where ethanol producers are alleging very similar accusations as well as a court case that was transferred uh, with by Green Plains in Nebraska, transferred to Illinois court as well. Of course, ADM is tight-lipped on any comment from this case, but are continuing to ask the court to follow through on their request. As we look at uh, the potential railway shutdown, it's been well over a year since the Canadian Pacific Railway wooed the Kansas City Southern Railway away from the Canadian Nation Railroads. And after a long courtship, CP finally won the battle in September of 2021. However, we have not seen the deal go through yet. The final approval for the acquisition and merger here of the two railroads will come from the U.S. Surface Transportation Board, which is set to happen here, or was set to happen, I should say, on December 14th of 2021. But immediately upon the closing of the acquisition, the shares of KCS were placed into a voting trust that ensured KCS will operate independently while the Surface Transportation Board continued its regulatory review. However, these hearings didn't actually happen until this year and finally ended on Friday, October 7th, which for seven days, basically, the STB heard testimony from different shippers, communities, public officials, and other railroads who all testified why they either supported or did not support the merger. Following this, we see the STB make continued comments and questions until they make a final ruling here on whether or not this merger will take place. The final review is expected to be complete, but not until early 2023. This is, of course, coming as we're still watching to see if anything new arises as far as uh, strikes go in the western portion of the United States. But speaking of continued transportation issues, we're still watching low levels here on the Mississippi continue and even seeing some shutdowns in portions of the lower Mississippi where we're seeing barge traffic come to a complete standstill. The Army Corps of Engineers, of course, is working to try and increase shipments down the lower Mississippi, but low water levels have caused at least eight barge groundings this week in portions of the lower Mississippi River to be temporarily closed, backing up ship traffic altogether. And then, of course, we're now going to start seeing the added challenge of also dealing with potential weather as frost is in the forecast, especially for areas up north when they only have a limited time of year to get grain down the Mississippi River as is. We're seeing these really low levels continue to impact grain shipment and they're saying it's only maybe going to get worse from here as we're not expected to see a ton of rainfall for the portions of the area that really do impact the barge traffic. 
So all in all, not an ideal problem to be having this time of year when we're trying to get grain out of the areas producing it. But speaking of grain, I think that's really the only thing we have left to touch on today is the commodity markets. Before we get into where those markets traded, let's take one more quick word here from today's sponsor. Who turned a $2 million research investment into $460 million per year in extra income? You did, you captain of industry. Today's soybean farmers, that's you, are boosting sales. How? By pooling your resources through your soy checkoff, which funded a study that led to the dredging of the lower Mississippi River. Soon, you'll ship larger export loads for hundreds of millions in extra income a year. See all the ways your soy checkoff is moving soy forward for you at unitedsoybean.org slash hopper. Well, we certainly saw some positive trade, of course, today, largely on the news of that Russian strike, but we're going to get Tommy Grzafi's take on it here in just a moment. New crop corn closed up 15 cents today on the day at 6.98 and a quarter. New crop soybeans up 7 cents on the day at 13.74. Chicago wheat today flirted with limit up moves, but did not see that action quite touch limit up today as the December contract added 57 and three quarters cents to close at 9.38. The cattle complex traded lower today as the December live cattle contract shed $1.05 at 147. November feeders down $2.75 at a buck 72.87 and December lean hogs added $2.45 today to close at 79.60. Without further ado, let's kick it over to our conversation with Tom Grizzafi. Well, Tommy, I feel like you really don't need much introduction to the podcast at this point, but Tommy Grizafi of ATI, thanks for joining us. Let's dive right in, Tommy, because there is a lot of things we got to get through here in about 10 to 15 minutes, but let's kick things off with the excitement today in commodities, but also uh, some of the stocks and equities markets today, just trading on this Russian missile strike. Uh, On the stock equity <laughs> There's, let's do commodities first. Um, the commodity markets definitely had a couple things to digest. We had harvest over the weekend. I typically come in on a Sunday, you'd see harvest pressure, but you you throw in the bombing over the weekend of the bridge in uh, is it Crimea, and then the retaliation bombing of uh, is it Kiev, and so a lot of stuff got bombed over the Friday, Saturday, Sunday period, and anyone who was thinking. Maybe we'll come up with some uh, resolution in this war. We're actually going the other way. You throw in uh, just a headline came out a few minutes ago that uh, one of the groups in the railroad strike says that they're not willing to settle and they want to, they're ready to strike again. That just came out a few minutes ago. So that's a breaking headline. And by the time this release, you know, people might be more familiar with it. I didn't even know it was released. Someone had called me and said, what do you think about the railroad? I said, what? What are we talking about here? So I had to look it up myself. A lot of a uh, lot of moving parts here, and we will uh, we will continue to keep all eyes on that. With that, one of the most prominent bankers, Jamie Dimon from Chase, said he could easily see stocks going down another twenty percent from here, as they're currently down twenty to twenty five percent. So it's a holiday today. A lot of the banks and government offices are closed, but yet the board of trade bond markets open. And interest rates are exploding, continuing to go up. So throw all of that in there. And those are just a few things happening in the markets today. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's crazy to think that especially wheat didn't touch limit up today, but seen some really explosive moves in there today. The question is, where do we go from here? Because we've also got a WASDE report later this week, Tommy. We do. And in America, we're becoming more and more incredibly uncompetitive uh, with our wheat price. But the one thing we do have is that if you order wheat from America and have it put on a boat that we will ship and sell you or Canada, that we will ship and sell you high quality wheat delivered in a timely manner, uh, hopefully to a safe port. So leaving a safe place, going to a safe place in, in a ample amount of time. Is it worth that premium? I don't know. We're going to, the markets are going to find out to me for most of the wheats, they have a tenant in front of them. We did a lot more selling a wheat today with growers than we did uh, of anyone buying. Of course, a lot of, a uh, lot of selling of wheat, huge corn trade today. Also a lot of corn futures trade at the board of trade today. And uh, it's interesting. You mentioned in some of the texts that you send out to your customers that you like selling cash grain on big up days like today, why do you say that, Tommy? Well, if you don't sell on an update, you get to sell on whatever day you pick. And uh, and that's not uh, always so good. Well, I, I get to talk to a lot of people. And it's uh, interesting. If you don't sell on a big update, you get whatever day you think's better. When wheat's up that much and you actually have wheat, and it's $2 off the low of what would have been a, a harvest in the Midwest or a, a month, month, six weeks from... Uh, a harvest that we just had in North Dakota, and you have a wheat at that price and you don't have room to store it. So we had that store sell decision today. And if it came up to me, I'd rather sell that wheat and get that price and store that corn. I do think for my uh, Northern Plains farmers, Minnesota, North Dakota, Minnesota, but mostly North Dakota and Canada, obviously, but I don't work with a lot of folks up there. I like storing corn. There's not a lot of corn up there. And it, I believe throughout the next uh series of months, call it six to nine months, corn could be worth a lot, not only from a cash price, but the, not only the futures price, but the cash price. So figuring in that basis, there's not a lot of corn up north. And wheat, Delaney, is something that everyone in the world gets to grow. So I don't like owning an item at $10 that we're incredibly uncompetitive at, whereas corn, we know everyone needs. That's that's why I'm sending out those texts on these updates saying, if you don't like selling on an update, tell me, Tell me what it was going to, what you needed to happen to actually make a sale. And today was a wonderful day to make a sale. As you see, markets sold off uh, a fair amount after the close, and they may continue to sell off on that rail news tonight. But Tommy, I got to play devil's advocate here because, yes, typically in normal years, the rest of the world produces a lot of wheat. But this year has been anything but typical with especially uh, the Black Sea region having potential smaller areas. We've seen weather issues reported in other wheat producing areas. Is wheat not the crop to keep this year? Well, that, that'll be a question I could answer so much better when you have me back <laughs> in three months, six months, nine months. But what we have at the Board of Trade, to your point, is we give people the option to buy a call or call spread. And when you have wheat move 60 cents in a day, it, it's not outrageous to think you should invest 30 cents in some type of upside. And that would probably look like a call spread. And that would cover you on that where your risk, Delaney, would truly be managed. That if you actually sell the cash wheat and own that wheat on paper in some form, so you could buy futures, but your risk isn't managed, 
your risk would just be transferred. And let me make that perfectly clear. So we like a call, a call spread. I, I do think the flyer, the fun one that'll be be traded for next year will be the corn market. Because when you look at soybeans, South America is getting ready to plant a ton of soybeans, but they don't have the resources nor the fertilizer to go plant as much corn as they may like based on the price. So the easy play here is that soybeans are easy to plant in parts of the world and they use a heck of a lot less fertilizer. Corn's the flyer. It needs the fertilizer. Of course, wheat needs a bunch of it too. But that that is, a, if you if you grow all three crops, I could imagine that a lot of beans are getting sold off the combine and calls will be bought. And, and same thing. Now, wheat at this point, harvest is over. You've already made a decision. But I had a farmer, Delaney, who called me a day. He just put his wheat in the bin five, six weeks ago, and he's already taken it out based on basis and that his corn crop was a little better than he thought. So he's going to use that 60,000 bushels of wheat he sold today in the cash market and use that bin space for corn. That that for sure will have an interesting story the next year. So, Tommy, looking at interesting stories, we were just sharing a little bit ago on the podcast about how uh, there have been multiple years where USDA has decreased yields in September and then also in those same concurrent years, either increased the yield again in the October report or decreased yields. What do you think we're going to see this October was your report for corn yield? Well, they have been, you know, these conspiracy theorists, people who say, oh, grains break in October, so they don't have to pay you insurance and the USDA never adjust yield. Boy, have they been adjusting yield uh quickly this year when it right when we come around to crop tour time seeing these dramatic uh yield uh predictions and in, in the usda was all over it they, they're not afraid to change a number i will say that there's a a newer uh more modern administration i think about a year ago right now you spent some time at the usda didn't you mm-hmm. i'm gonna start asking you questions <laughs> did you feel that 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 was a a younger, newer, more hip group that was mm-hmm. willing to say the numbers as they are? I don't know. I think maybe it was a younger and hipper group, but maybe didn't have as much of an understanding of how production agriculture worked. Well, when you live in the concrete jungle, it's uh, you're not going <laughs> to, you got to put your boots on the ground and get a little dirty and go out there and see people. And, you know, the government's paying them. They'll, they'll get paid every week, every other week, whether they go get dirty or not. So. Well, tell me any surprises that you think we can expect to see on this week's report. I haven't quite dug into it. Uh, Brian Basting from Advanced Trading just sent out a report. He just sent out the numbers a little bit ago, and I haven't dug into them yet. We have a great research team there, and I'm not part of that. <laughs> I don't claim to be part of that. I know you work with other brokers and analysts who crunch numbers, and they come out and say, my number is going to be uh, 171.4. I, Tommy Grisafi doesn't have a number. What I have is a few hundred clients across the Midwest and all over America, who have their own number. So rather than worry about what the USDA number is, and our and our research department crunches those numbers all the time, and I have access to that information, I'm more worried, Delaney, how your number is or how your husband, Blaine, you know, did he have a good yield? Does he have enough storage? Because I don't have time to walk all 90 million acres, and I don't have time to call <laughs> all the tens of millions of people who farm and take surveys. That's what the USDA does. But for those couple hundred people I work with, that's where I think I can be effective in helping you with your bushels. Now, some people we know, like in the Nebraska area, southern Iowa, other parts, didn't have the bushels. 
And I have clients right here in northern Indiana who have super horrible soybean yields. They are devastated. They're like, I can't believe they're this bad. So you take a thousand acres of soybeans and your your yields off twenty bushels than what it could have been. That that's a big number. And that at fourteen dollar cash or thirteen fifty cash, that's a that's something that really uh, catch people's attention. Well, that's you'd, you'd be a really a uh, very fit man if you walked all those ninety million acres, Tommy. Well, instead, I get to sit in my basement and wear makeup and do interviews like this. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. And we appreciate you coming on the Ag News Daily podcast today. If folks want to pick your brain a little bit more, find out what's going on, what you're watching that we didn't have time to touch on today, because I know there were still quite a few topics we didn't get to hit on. Where can they find you, Tommy? Well, they can uh, get a hold of me at Advanced Trading. And I do want to take 20 seconds and thank you. It was about a year ago you traveled up to North Dakota and helped me launch the Ag Bull Podcast. Now, the Ag Bull Podcast isn't about markets. It's more just about personalities in ag. And you've been on there, and we're starting to release some good content. So if someone wants to just – they're in the combine, and they want a story about ag, we, we have a YouTube channel, and we've released three videos here last month. And, of course, we're releasing a couple audio videos a couple times a month, which makes me think how awesome you are. You do this every day. And now as someone who uh, you actually had to help me hit play and do my first podcast ever, it's not easy to do what you do and as consistent as you do. So hats off to you. If someone's interested in finding me, you can check me out at www.agbull.com. Fantastic. Tommy Grizzafi, thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Thank you. And again, folks, as Tommy was mentioning there, you can catch him on the AgBull podcast periodically. Just find him there at AgBull on social media. You can also find us on social media at Ag News Daily, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And connect with us off the air. But tomorrow we're going to be bringing you another great Tech Tuesday conversation, so do stay tuned. And in the meantime, we'll let you go. 